Dylan is an investigative reporter. Um, he's been described as the most dangerous man in Hollywood. Dangerous, Charles. <laughs> and uh, dangerous, I think it was one of the names of Michael ja one of Michael Jackson's <laughs> albums too. And he's the author of Bad, the under unprecedented investigation into the Michael Jackson cover-up. Dylan, thanks for joining me. It's good to be with you, Charles. I uh, don't know whether I'm a dangerous man. Maybe, well, maybe. The truth is dangerous to some people. Let's put it the that truth way. Is, the truth is very dangerous to, to a lot of people, yeah. and a lot of people don't want the truth out there. I That's wouldn't right. necessarily characterize myself as dangerous. Maybe, uh, maybe feared might be an, a better adjective or, um, uh, well, certainly despised. Well, some people just can't handle the truth, as the old saying goes. <laughs> Good one, and Jack Nicholson. There you go. And uh, I wanted to talk about Michael Jackson because, I mean, he is a figure that I mean, I universally admired in his, the height of his career, which I think was probably the mid-1980s. 1984, I think, was his big, big year. It was the year of Thriller. And, I mean, President Reagan invited him to the White House, and he was um, just you know, as big as I think any cultural figure has ever been in this country, probably bigger than the Beatles in their day and bigger than Elvis even just during that very brief period of time. But then he seemed to undergo a gradual but noticeable decline after that. What happened to Michael Jackson? Well, the harsh reality of the situation is that he became a drug addict and, um, that all dates back to the notorious Pepsi commercial mm -hmm. uh, where he was burned badly and he became dependent on prescription medication. And ultimately, um, tragically, he ultimately died of that addiction. Um, but in between that, there were scandal after scandal. And the reality was... Um, there were two very different Michael Jacksons. There was a Michael Jackson whom was a pop star who had the adulation of millions. And there was Michael Jackson who led a twisted double life. And in writing this book, Bad, I set out to try and tell an objective view of his life and his career. Now, um, those that avidly follow Michael Jackson will say that I have always been anti-Michael and have never been open to what they perceive as the truth about Michael, um, and that is that he was an innocent victim tortured as a child and did nothing wrong. Well, the reality is he might not have been convicted of any child sex crimes, but he was found to have a stash of child pornography in his Neverland ranch. And the man in the mirror had two faces. Uh, Michael Jackson um, was not pure. Michael Jackson was not innocent. And indeed, in the book, Bad, my prologue begins with me watching a video that has never been publicly released but shows Michael Jackson in a hotel room 
with two young boys in what I could only describe as sort of like role playing. Um, nothing untoward happens. There's nothing sexual, but the language that is used and the type of role playing is just highly inappropriate for someone of Jackson's age. And, you know, he always said that he was, you know, he enjoyed the company of young children because he was this Peter Pan like figure. Well, we can, we can always look at someone and try and justify one's behavior psychologically. What was the premise behind Ghislaine Maxwell being involved with Jeffrey Epstein? That's great. Let's analyze it. Let's talk mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to a simple thing, Charles, and that is right from wrong. And then at, and as an adult, you know, what's right from wrong. I know what's right from wrong and role playing with foul mouth language with children in a bed unsupervised is wrong. And it shows yet again, a lack of judgment on Michael's behalf that seemingly uh, bookended his, well, almost every, it didn't bookend rather, um, it, it, it was almost like uh, these were the regular things that occurred. He just had a lack of judgment. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, his, you know, his defenders, as you point out, will say, well, he had a very twisted childhood. He never really had a childhood. He had abusive father. And I think probably that's all true. And I think it's been fairly well documented. But as you, you know, these are the sorts of excuses that people make for any criminals. You know, you'll look, oh, well, what about his past? You know, you're right in the sense that as consenting adults, they are aware of what's right and wrong and that they're accountable to their behavior in the in the present time that they're committing it we all make choices everyone has demons you know but we we are capable as you know conscious rational adults to decide whether or not to act on those demons and the only thing that that maybe could give michael jackson a little bit of a break is that as you say he was addicted to to drugs i think he had some of the same situation that elvis presley had in terms of handlers around him who pampered him and gave him everything he wanted because there was a lot of money involved and he would just be able to get access to this stuff and he really didn't have any self-control and the addiction just continued to spiral and obviously that accompanied that brought out some of his darker demons it brought out some of his you know lower you know angels as it were i think you're absolutely right uh having worked in uh in the hollywood industry for close to a decade, uh, longer than a decade, actually, um, starting to show my age now, Charles. Um, it, it, it is all too often that a celebrity is not told no by mm -hmm. those handlers. And in the case of Michael Jackson, money can afford you a lot of things. Um, and it afforded him protection. It was almost like a protection racket against the allegations that were made against him um, with the use of private eyes like Anthony Pelicano, who was notoriously jailed for close to, I think it was 20 years for racketeering and uh, wiretapping. And that allowed him 
to continue on and perpetuate that behavior. I would almost liken it to Charlie Sheen. Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen was the highest paid actor on television. He earned $2 million a week. What does he have to show for that today? Nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Because in wild excess, he lived a life that was enabled by those around him of booze, drugs, sex, and then it all came crashing down. But his behaviour in being HIV positive and having sex with others and potentially exposing them to that risk was enabled by a consigliere of attorneys and people within his household that would make his sexual partners sign a confidentiality agreement when they arrived at his house that precluded them from suing him in the event they found out that he was HIV positive, that they would be compelled to take their case to um, arbitration so so it remained secret. So in many ways, there are a lot of similarities between Charlie Sheen and Michael Jackson in terms of how a celebrity can operate within with those around his orbit. Although at the same time, in bad, I do obtain Jackson's private diary or scrawlings um, of his opinion on certain things. And he was very distrusting of one of his business advisors, Dr. Tommy Tommy, who believed that he was trying to cash in on him. And at the same time, he wanted Dr. Conrad Murray around 24 seven to administer the drugs that ultimately took his life. Um, Dr. Conrad Murray was convicted of manslaughter um, and, and was responsible for administering the fatal dose. Um, that killed Michael Jackson and giving him those drugs. But as much as, as, as you can blame Conrad Murray, you've also got to look at the other people around Michael Jackson. The late Dr. Arnold Klein would prescribe medication for him. They would prescribe it under pseudonyms at which he would then go to a Beverly Hills pharmacy and collect this medication or his team would collect this medication under pseudonyms. Now, that is a horrific breach of the law and certainly helped put Michael Jackson in an early grave. You know, the, there seems to have been some part of the, this constellation of people around Michael Jackson and probably around people like Charlie Sheen and, and Elvis and, you know, others that included doctors. I mean, Elvis had Dr. Nick. The Beatles did a song about this called Dr. Roberts. You know, the uh, John F. Kennedy had a doctor like this who would inject him with uh, speed. And, and it's just like something with very wealthy people who are extremely privileged and who uh, are worth a lot and who are worth a lot of money to other people. There's a lot of people kind of, um, you know, sucking off the teeth, so to speak. I mean, just a, a constellation of people who profit from from their proximity to to the star. And, and that it becomes this sort of incestuous establishment that, that seems to surround them. It's almost like the cloud that surrounds Linus and the Peanuts um, you know, comic strip. Everywhere he goes, there's this uh, thing around him that both protects him and enables him. 
and um, you know you've got the lawyers and you've got the handlers and you've got the fixes and that it looks to me like a large part of this is the vested interest in maintaining a public image and um, squelching any bad news that might uh, permeate that um, that bubble that's where you come in Dylan you're a guy who's on the outside who's getting information and reporting it and it's almost like um, reporting on maybe it even is like reporting on an organized crime syndicate yeah I mean I think with the Jackson situation um, the key takeaway from bad is that Michael Jackson was very Machiavellian um, he was what he wanted is what he got whether it be at drugs or young boys and it's important to understand again he was never convicted of any child sex crimes but he was guilty of excessive hubris there's no doubt about that um, and um, his life was more often than not stranger than fiction simply because he would do things that would shock the world could you imagine if michael jackson was around today and had a baby and hung them over a balcony i oh mean child God. protective services would strip him of of custody of that children of that child mm. and his other children immediately um so he was also the beneficiary of uh, a time in culture that we don't have right now. Um, I think that uh, it, was it was an important exercise to do bad because this book was written in the aftermath of Leaving Neverland, the HBO documentary, which was a subjective exercise. It gave a forum to James uh, Safechuck and Wade Robson who alleged through suppressed memories that Jackson had sexually assaulted them even though they'd claimed previously he had never sexually assaulted them. So it was important that when there was a subjective uh, forensic examination of Jackson's life that there be an independent one and that's where bad came into it. The um, so Jackson's been accused of pedophilia with young boys, and uh, this seems to coincide with your book anyway, coincides with the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, which you've also written about, and you've written about Jeffrey Epstein and his pedophile island. And in fact, yesterday there was a drop of uh, documents uh, that implicate several big names, including former President Bill Clinton and um, Prince Andrew of England. Um, and Alan Dershowitz. And I'm only mentioning those names because that's in the public right now. I'm not here to make accusations. But it does bring up a broader question, which, and you may know something about this, which is that there are sort of on the edges of information some other rather large names, particularly people in Hollywood, people who are hosts of late night talk shows, let's just put it that way. Uh, some very big name actors who might be wrapped up in this kind of thing. I mean, pedophilia, cover up. Um, is this something that is really that systemic in Hollywood or maybe more broadly in our upper echelons of, of culture right now, do you think? Um, 
let's take let, let's let's take Hollywood and then take culture or society separately. Um, there, there, everywhere in the world, there is heinous activity going on. There is the exploitation of children. Um, in Hollywood, uh, Corey Feldman has made allegations um, that a child sex ring operated. Um, and certainly some former directors and producers were convicted. There was also, I believe, uh, the manager of a pop group that was convicted. Um, so Hollywood has not been immune from child sex abuse. With regards to the Epstein and Maxwell matter, I don't even think we've scratched the surface of this particular case. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it's been... And, and why I say that is because the government knew that Epstein was operating on American soil. And they knew that he was operating as an intelligence operative, passing information on to foreign governments and using the classic honey trap operation to do it. I spoke to one person who described in forensic detail just how simple he would do this. There would be a gathering of people with overage women, young, beautiful overage women, and then he would seed a few miners into the group and those miners would have a target for the night. They would ultimately attach themselves to the target. Every room within an Epstein estate is rigged with a camera and everything is recorded. Now, Alex Acosta, the former Trump Labor Secretary, prosecuted Jeffrey Epstein in 2007 and 2008 and gave him the sweetheart plea deal of the century. But in his defence, he was told, hands off, this is above your pay grade. Cindy McCain has said, we all knew, the, 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 the widow of John McCain, we all knew about Epstein. And Bill Clinton was involved. He sought to minimise his involvement with him. Um, he says he, he only travelled on the so-called Lolita Express a handful of times. I'm juggling my hands at 28. That's not a handful. Mm. Um, even the current president, Donald Trump, has sought to minimise his involvement with Epstein, when in reality their friendship goes back four decades. I don't think, as I said, we've scratched the surface of Epstein and Maxwell. If these two were allowed to exploit the young and vulnerable and take away the innocent lives of so many young women for the benefit of international espionage, that is a scandal the likes of which this country has never seen. And it doesn't discriminate, Charles. It involves people on both the left and the right. It is a scandal of epic proportions. And the lamestream media is yet to wake up and explore this case 
in forensic detail. And I think part of it is because, one, it doesn't fit their agenda. It's not going to bring down President Trump, nor is it going to elect a Democratic candidate. And our media is so divided at the moment, split along ideological lines, that the left does what the left needs to do to throw Trump out of office, and the right does what the right needs to do to get Trump re-elected. So it doesn't fit within the prism of what they want. But at the same time, we as American citizens ought to ask the question, did our government allow these two individuals to operate on American soil an international espionage operation that implicated children that were sexually exploited it, for it, their it own was, Yeah, I mean, it was here, and I think he also operated in several other countries, and you know, it, this is something that's been making the rounds of conservative circles for decades, and the, the Bill Clinton thing, I mean, the, the trips on to the Lolita Island including several where he asked his Secret Service not to come with him, not to accompany him. That's been around for a long time. I mean, I've heard Howie Carr talk about that here in Boston for years. Um, and, and I think that you're, you're right in that there, it's, it's so rotten in terms of the number of people implicated and the fact that they were being blackmailed by foreign services of, of other nations, uh, including the Mossad, let's be honest, um, there are connections there that it, it is an international scandal. And it's one that uh, really goes back. I mean, I suppose this has been done since the beginning of time in terms of blackmailing, you know, political leaders, blackmailing business leaders to get them to do your bidding. And it brings up a lot of questions about exactly what did they do, you know, under the, under these terms that, and who were they serving and, and what, what was done, in, in, in this kind of an extremely corrupt situation. Are we going to get to the bottom of this, Dylan? I mean, in this atmosphere? You know, I, I fear we won't. Um, the Maxwell trial is critically important. I think she has three distinct routes, and, and it, it sort of plays out as to whether we're going to find out the ultimate truth. Um, not to pump up my own tires, but if it's not for people like myself that are prepared to look in dark places, no matter how frightening it is that you may find, we would not have known things like the fact that Epstein was working for Israeli intelligence. Um, I think Maxwell has three very distinct cards to play. She could plead guilty and maybe the Southern District of New York, who, I might add, does not bring a case unless they believe it to be unimpeachable, and mm -hmm. rarely do those cases ever go to court. So they might drop the felony charge, the, uh, the perjury charges against her if she cops to the other four um, charges in the six-count indictment. It still means she'll never see the light of day and it still means that she'll probably serve a 20-year jail sentence. The second option would be that she cooperates and 
tells all. But I'm told she'll only tell all on some and not others. Well, you don't get a choice in that scenario. If you turn cooperating witness, you have to answer all their questions. And I just can't see the Southern District of New York saying, tell us everything and we'll let you walk free. She's still going to serve time. She can't not serve time, even if she cooperates. But interestingly enough, the government has said that they have no intention of a superseding indictment on Maxwell or bringing charges against anyone else in this case. So her singing might have zero impact whatsoever. And then the third would be to defend it. Now, that would be probably the most foolish thing that she could do because she's not going to win. She, the book will be thrown at her. She'll cop the maximum sentence. She's not a sympathetic defendant in any way. And she's unlikely to testify. She would probably not do so um, and, and assert her privilege not to do so. And she's also got to appreciate sitting behind bars right now that the Southern District has built up a case that is so strong and powerful that she'll die behind bars. They likely went to every alleged co-conspirator and said, we're going to charge you with aiding and abetting unless you turn cooperative witness. And those people likely did, which means that Ghislaine Maxwell is up a proverbial creek without a paddle. Unless, of course, she has a Hail Mary card to play. Why did why did she expose herself to arrest? I mean, why didn't she fly off to, I don't know, Mongolia or something? Yeah, fascinating question. If she's guilty of one thing, it's what I said about earlier uh, about Jackson, excessive hubris. She believed that in 2007, 2008, when Epstein took his plea deal, a provision was negotiated, and this was included in the document dump, that, um, that others, they weren't named, but others were offered immunity. So that meant that they would never be prosecuted with a crime to do with Jeffrey Epstein. It's what Epstein's defence counsel intended to argue when he was arrested on July 6th last year at Teterborough Airport, that you can't retry me for crimes that I've already copped a plea deal for and now have immunity on going forward. So Ghislaine genuinely believed that she would be able to use that as a defence. Now, as a someone who holds French citizenship, she could have played the Roman Polanski card. She could have gone to France that notoriously is difficult on extradition, in fact, is so weak-willed on extradition that she would never have been extradited back to America. But instead, she chose to stay here, which brings up that question that I, that I ended my last answer with, unless she has a Hail Mary card. Okay. And I've been thinking about this. What could that Hail Mary card be? And this is a big if, and I have no evidence to back this up. But we do know through her first court appearance that she told the court she was married but won't reveal the name of the husband. Many have speculated it's the tech tycoon that she was living with at one point. 
But what if, what if she married Jeffrey Epstein? Spousal privilege. Immunity, right. That's right. Plus he's privilege. dead though. No, it survives after death. Okay. So any correspondence they had that would be used as evidence and the government has receipts, right? They have documents would be inadmissible in court. The estate would not be able to testify against her. So then it would come down to a Casey Anthony, OJ Simpson-like scenario. Do you believe the character of these witnesses that would just get torn apart on the stand by defence counsel? Or is there reasonable doubt? And therein lies a potential get out of jail free card oh, for Ghislaine Maxwell. It's a, it's a narrow one, but it's an interesting theory. What do you think is the, um, is, is the prospects of her longevity? <laughs> do you, are you asking me, is she going to get offed in jail? Yeah. Or something. <laughs> Look, I think uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is a narcissistic sociopath to even suggest that house arrest be granted to her and she could live in a hotel and be under armed guard. I mean, sure. Can we make sure that you get three um, room service deliveries per day? I mean, I don't think a court has ever adjudicated such a, a ridiculous request like that. Um, she has to be the most watched prisoner in America right now. And the Department of Justice could ill afford for her to be killed by another inmate or worse still, got to by mm -hmm. nefarious forces. The only question is, will she take her own life? Well, the Department of Corrections and the Department of Justice has an obligation to ensure that there is a set of eyeballs on her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's not just because uh, we need to get to the bottom of the espionage ring and the child sex trafficking ring. It's because the three victims named in the indictment, one of whom I personally know, ha has the right to seek justice and get justice. And she needs to be paraded before a court and she needs to be held to account for her crimes. The um, you mentioned the child pedophile ring, and I, I was talking earlier about the possibility that this this is much more pervasive, much more much more vast than simply the Epstein scandal. We talked about Michael Jackson's pedophile activities, whether or not they're connected to anything else. I'm, I'm not. Who knows? I mean, maybe you might have a thought on that. But but in in my circles, you know, in more conservative circles, there's been information circulating about this for quite a while, most of which have been edited out of the uh, social media, which is why I'm going to be very careful to not mention any names. However, I want to ask you if you know anything about the actor Isaac Cappy and his untimely suicide on May 13th of 2019 after he made several videos which were viral on YouTube where he did name a lot of names of people who were involved with pedophilia in Hollywood and elsewhere. I, I do not know that story, no. 
Yeah, Isaac Cappy. He's an actor. Um, check it out. I mean, I don't think his videos are, are, I think they've been censored. And again, I'm not getting into any names or anything that he talked about, but I've seen those videos. A lot of people in my circles, sort of more conservative circles, have also seen them. And he was trying to blow the whistle on a big pedophilic um, cell in Hollywood, backed up by and protected by a lot of the same type of people who protected Michael Jackson in his lifetime, who protected uh, Charlie Sheen, you know, who allow for this kind of behavior. It's almost become an institutional uh, thing. That, according to him, I have no idea. I'm just some schmuck here in Boston. I don't know. I'm just speaking, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying I have any information, but you do, and I'm wondering if you could comment on that. Well, I don't know anything about the story, so I really okay. can't comment. Great. Uh, okay. But we do know that there was systemic sexual abuse in Hollywood, um, and there have been allegations leveled against certain individuals, such as Kevin Spacey, Charlie Sheen. Right. Brian Singer and others, all of which have not been adjudicated by a court of law to find one guilty of anything. That's critically important to understand. But the allegations are certainly there. Great. I mean, I just wonder if it, it goes even beyond that and, and it's even more more pervasive. Anyways, well, Dylan I Howard. Would probably, yep. I would probably suggest it is more pervasive. Okay. And I don't think, again, we've scratched the surface of what this all means. No, and I, I'm glad to see that you're out there courageously doing this kind of work, and um, I admire you for doing it, Dylan. Um, Thank you. Again, let's just mention the book and where people can get it. So um, badthebook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all good bookstores. Because of the pandemic, I would encourage all your viewers and listeners to go to their local bookstore, keep those bookstores in yes. business, buy from brick and mortar stores where you can don't fund the tech giants fund your local businesses support them in their dire need during this period but if you can't of course you can buy them online very good all right dylan howard listen 